Evoked body and perceived body are the two types of discourse with which the body is referred to in the model of psychic apparatus presented in chapter 7 of Freud's interpretation of dreams. The former historicizes memories and bodily experiences, while the latter alludes almost exclusively to the present moment of perception and the recording of what has been done. In this episode, José Eduardo Fischbein will lead us to explore the multiple conditions and meanings through which the body comes into play in the psychoanalytic session. Through his uh, years of experience in the field of psychosomatics, he will show us a perspective grounding on the idea of situating the body within the session, listening to the patient's discourse related to it, framed within the transference field. José Eduardo Fischbein is a medical doctor, full member and training analyst at the Argentine Psychoanalytic Association, Latin American Federation of Psychoanalysis and International Psychoanalytic Association. He is specialized in child and adolescent psychoanalysis. Elected director of the Department of Psychosomatics of APA in several administrations, Most recently, from 2012 to 2016, he was APA Vice President from 2018 to 2020 and Chair of the Research Group to the Body in the Psychoanalytic Session from 2010 to 2020. He has published numerous articles in Argentine and foreign-reviewed journals, as well as chapters in several books. I am Gaetano Pellegrini, and this is Talks on Psychoanalysis, the IPA podcast that shares topics published in the IPA Society Journals and Congress debates worldwide. Please check the details of the episode to find the link to download the paper, and to stay informed about the latest podcast releases, please sign up today. This episode is read by Susanna Binocur-Fischbein. As a chair of a team work group, I led the search for psychoanalytic papers devoted to the subject of the body and reviewed numerous clinical materials in which the topic on the body was introduced. We selected notions that were based on psychopathology and took up Freud's chapter seven of the interpretation of dreams as a conceptual model and as a tool for reading the clinical material. Thus, we found and categorized two types of discourse in which the body is usually referred to. These are the discourse of the evoked body and the discourse of the perceived body. Ideas that I will develop along this presentation. I'll state two basic premises. The first one is that we don't deny the presence of the body in the session as a real entity, but we consider that the body as an object which we work with as psychoanalysts is a representational construct that is organized in exchange with others and constitutes the pillar of subjectivity. Every representation of the body in the psyche 
is registered in relation to the interpretations to the other human being and contains each individual's history of wants. Furthermore, the body as a historical construct supports the mental representation of the self. The second premise is that in the psychoanalytic session, the body always implies a speech act. We find different categories of discourse and the psychoanalyst's role consists in acknowledging within which category the body is referred to according to the context and moment of each session and then to make it explicit how this affects the transference. Assigning meaning to the body expressions was a proposal of psychoanalysis from its very origins. We may read examples of the significance attributed to the ways the body is positioned in the book on hysteria, Freud, 1895, where the linguistic turn plays an important role, or in the interpretation of Dora's symptomatic act when she plays with her purse, Freud, 1905. The symptomatic acts in the psychopathology of everyday life, Freud, 1901, also may be considered as included in this list. <clears throat> Meaning can arise from within the discourse itself or be a contribution coming from the outer world and offered by the interpreter there is always a reciprocal feeding of meaning between the body, the interpreter, and the interpretant in Percy's sense. Given that the concept discourse represents very complex phenomena and involves multiple meanings, it is necessary to define the scope given to it in this presentation. Let's bear in mind that words do not come alone. There is non-verbal activity such as gesture or gestures, body position, mimicry, proximity, distance, laughter or weeping, and other non-verbal expressions that accompany speech, which need to be analyzed in the same way as words because they are essential agents of the communicative act. We use an operational definition of text in a context without forgetting the subject who elicits it and the interpreter who receives it with their corresponding attribution of meaning, that is, their interpretants. In a previous proposal, in 2010, I characterized, I characterized the existence of three types of discourse with reference to the body. These reflected nosological observations based on different clinical pictures. On that occasion, I expounded the following ideas. One, 
the body that appears in the discourse of the psychoneurosis with the predominance of the hysterical one, that is, the discourse about the erogenous body, which, like the allusions to the body in obsessions, expresses a neurotic conflict that may be revealed. It is a body that represents a conflict inasmuch as the repression of contents of psychosexuality interposes. It is the body of the Freudian unconscious that endows the drive with representation. Anxiety is always present and linked to reality. This discourse replaces another hidden one, the discourse about the body that has become a symbol substitutes what is symbolized. It both conceals and discloses the symbolized element which can be revealed by interpretation. Two, the discourse about the body in psychosis, a fragmented body or a bizarre construction, a category which in my view also includes that of hypochondria. This discourse has as its function the reorganization and recovery of subjectivity, and it emerges where pathological splitting mechanisms have predominated and the psyche has suffered disorganization. This discourse affords mental organization when processes that undergo regression have generated a representational void. Thus, this discourse functions as a surrogate that seals the void. It is a construction that restores meaning to the reinstatement of links after a narcissistic withdrawal. It is sustained by unquestionable certainties that the subject makes use of to re-establish his bonds with objective reality. Its imposition involves an attempt to reduce the annihilation anxiety. These formations that may be considered delusional belong to the, other, to the order of restoration phenomena, analogous to those observed in psychosis, in which words acquire the delusional tinge when fulfilling the holes left by the predominant use of disavowal. Three, the discourse on the body in pathology is characterized by passages to the act, fulfills the function of evacuating stress so as to evade psychical work. With this type of discourse, an, an attempt is made to temporarily deferred the resolution of conflicts and the increase of strain that these entail. This discourse duplicates the actions of the body as a machine, thus creating a distorted illusion of a non-conflicting reality. Remarks on a body that is close to what is inorganic are frequent due to the lack of or deficit in mental work to transform perceptions into representations. These types of bodily references can be usually found in somatizations, 
in addictions and traumatophilia, as well as in certain perversion and in character neurosis. My perspective is grounded on the idea of situating the body within the session, listening to the patient's discourse related to it, framed within the transference field. Therefore, another way of understanding the allusions about the body in this specific context has arisen. As already stated, we started from an implicit implementation of the schema of the mental apparatus as proposed by Freud, 1900, in chapter 7 of the Interpretation of Dreams. Let remember that in this schema there is a perceptual pole, a motor pole that performs discharge, an intermediate zone between them, which is the reservoir of memory traces. We also considered the Freudian contribution of letter 52, 1896. In this letter, Freud describes the difference between perceptual traces and memory traces. The first ones are the imprints that impact, affect, and may overflow the psychic apparatus. They remain in a constant present and approach the hallucinatory phenomena. The second, the nemic traces, are a product of the psychical work of condensation and displacement, which imply processes of disinvestment and reinvestment. The nemic trace is a complex product that becomes an intrapsychic object able to evoke a history and update the past. Both at the perceptual and the motor poles, excitement or the process of its discharge is achieved, unlike the vocation of a scene, which arises as a representation that is the product of psychic work. In this way, the use of chapter seven as a conceptual instrument for reading the clinical material, allowed us eventually to ca categorize two types of discourse through which the body is referred to, the discourse of the evoked body and that of the perceived body. The first type historicizes the bodily experiences, whereas the second displays the, present, the presence of perceptions and the register of what has been acted. In the first type of speech, the mechanism of displacement and condensation are predominant, this resulting in the production of symbolic elements that fulfill a communicative function, whereas in the second type of discourse, we can infer the presence of splitting, denial and projection as the main mechanisms. The consequence of which is the appearance of a state of increasing representational emptiness. Consequently, this kind of speech fulfills an evacuative function. The 
discourse of the evoked body corresponds to the field of defense formations. That is, it is the expression of a conflictive situation of the mind in which different types of active psychic defenses can be distinguished. It is a discourse on the body built by representational residues of what has been perceived, what has been seen and heard within the linking Oedipal framework. As we can see, it has the same constituent elements as fantasy defined by Freud in his draft L, 1897. In short, the evoked body is a representational construct in which the subject can recall his own representation and include it within a remembered or repeated story, which will gradually acquire symbolic significance. I think that the interpretation of repetitions in the transference constitutes the first step for the fantasmatic construction. This type of discourse of the body enables us to assume the existence of larger or smaller representational richness. The body appears through its images or symbolic substitutes with greater or lesser disguise, more or less symbolic distance between the symbolized lived moments that are then reminded in fantasies between this discourse and the real of the flesh. Either as a memory or as a reconstruction, it supports a search for satisfaction with substitute objects that conjure up primary gratification. Therefore, desire can always be gathered and the associative display allows one to see into the unconscious. In these stories about the body, the subject of the unconscious is present as well as the desire that pulses in him. Let's now turn to the discourse of the perceived body. This body relates to a kind of discourse that centers on a framework in which the references to the perception of economic excitatory aspects predominate. The increase of tension that overflows the mental apparatus lies on the obstruction of aggression and hostility not recognized as one's own. These forces, unable to be discharged outside, cannot but be directed along the regressive path from the representational to the perceptual and or motor end, thus facilitating states of hallucinosis by cathexis of the more archaic perceptual systems. This can also be considered as the genesis of the mechanism of hypochondriacal speech. As a result, this discourse, quite typical of narcissistic repressions, abounds in reference to perceptions, sensations, and experiences that have their axis in bodily functions. It is a type of speech that alludes to the perception of opposing states. Well-being, 
versus discomfort, pain versus absence, increasing tension or, or discharge processes thereof. This modality of communication may also be observed in cases where the narcissistic disorganization has left the subject empty, as in the verbal expressions of megalomania and in certain illusions of self-reference. A paradigmatic example is found in Schreber's case, Freud, 1911. Psychic conflicts can only be recognized by the other in his capacity of auxiliary to the subject, but cannot yet be categorized as such by whoever is subdued to them. The subject will be able to work through his conflicts only when he becomes able to get access to a representational level of the facts, no longer in their actuality. According to this second discursive modality, the speaker undertakes the model of being an accumulator of tension and focuses on the search for a way to free oneself from discomfort through physical involvement. The absence of discharge is experienced as a risk of blowing up. The subject, governed by the pleasure principle, tries to diminish the tension that alienates him by means of different maneuvers. Perception is experienced as a foreign body that, that parasitizes him, annoys him and ejects him from his subjectivity. Every foreign body triggers a process in the psychic apparatus. The psychic apparatus tries to master the foreign body by translating perceptual traces into self-representations with the capacity of being part of historical narratives and being evoked as fantasies. But if the perceptual traces are generated and survive spontaneously without being worked through, they may turn into delusions. On the contrary, with the therapeutic help of search for meaning, they can be registered in the subject's historical development by means of repetition and thus become the ideational representatives, Borstelum representants, of the lately recognized conflicts. The subject describes the body as a machine whose function is to evacuate increasing amounts of agitation, which modify the homeostasis of the reporter of these phenomena. The purpose of this machine is to process and reduce annoying states of strain. The explanations about the body focus on how to get rid of forces that alter the individual's functioning. This kind of discourse highlights the techniques that the ego puts into practice to cope with the states of extreme unrest. These references to the body have the characteristic of being a substitution or surrogate that attempts to give coherence and containment to the chaotic experiences when there is a withdrawal of libidinal cataxis 
and mental structures and objects are decaffected, according to Civile Polisset. Generally speaking, surrogates are highly structured thoughts with a high level of certainty, using unambiguous causal logic based on vulgar preconceptions. These surrogates are highly fixed, which is one of the characteristics of the phenomenon of restitution, and are resistant to either being reviewed or interpreted. However, the perceptual framework generated by these references to the body might be liable to become the starting point for processes of attribution of meaning that may endow new sense and existence to the subject. To conclude, I would like to remark that if we think of all this process in temporal terms and going back to the discourse of the evoked body, we may find in it the mediation of memories of past experiences that we may compare to the present ones. Representation implies psychic processing and access to the notion of temporality in which the past is actualized. On the contrary, in the discourse of the perceived body, the speech attaches to what is happening. It, it is about a present that never ceases to be such. Let's remember the double meaning of the word actual. It refers not only what, of what comes from what has been done, but also to what happens in the present moment. This field permeated by the present of perception, by the present of experience, by the present of discharge, is radically different from the level of the vote in which the three chronological times, past, present, and future, are interwoven. Those chronological times that constitute the subjective time reflected both in fantasies and in dreaming. Personal histories are constituted by representations in which the body appears as the subject's imaginary support. The discourse of the evoked body always returns the traces of the links in the history of the subject, and is the one that appears in the symptom of neurosis, in rims or in the narratives that show the clues of psyching working through. That's why it's interesting to take into account the verb tenses that are articulated in the patient's speech, as already underlined in the discourse of the body of perception, the use of the present tense is frequent, while usually the discourse of the evoked body is stated in the past tense. The discourse allows us to refer to a past that comes into the present and opens up expectations for the future. Many thanks for having listen to me and I remain available to continue talking.